We've been talking about being kingdom-minded in 2024. I love what Jonathan Edwards said. He said, the seeking of the kingdom of God is the chief business of the Christian life. It's, it's really uh, our, our heart and our goal. And we're going to talk tonight about being kingdom-minded through the power of the Holy Spirit. But for a few moments, I want us to reflect back on some of the things we've studied. And I think by now, you can probably quote with me Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus taught. You can say it with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I pray that by now, with as many times as we've been uh, visiting this, that Luke 17 21 will be planted deep within us that his kingdom dwells within us as believers. Um, the kingdom of God is not a place or thing. When, when they asked Jesus, where is the kingdom of God? When will we see it? And he said, it's not in a place or a thing, but it's in you. It's in the, where the people of God are. And that's what the kingdom of God is. It's his power and presence and rule in us. The kingdom of God is anywhere God is king. I want to say that again. The kingdom of God is anywhere that God is king. That kind of simplifies it, doesn't it? Kind of just puts it into perspective, just simplifies it. I love what Andrew Murray says. He explains the kingdom of God this way. He said, it is that spiritual state in which the life of God and of heaven is made accessible to men and they enter into it, its enjoyment here on the earth. You know, pastors always saying, John 10 and 10, the thief comes not but for to kill, still and destroy. And you know the rest of this verse. But I have come that you might have life and it more abundantly. I believe that's kingdom. It's not just experiencing the joy and the peace and the presence of God when we get to heaven one day. But it's his kingdom now. And that is powerful. The mark of a kingdom is the presence of the king. The abiding nearness and fellowship of Christ is the very central blessing of the kingdom. He went on to say, Andrew Murray, the mark of the kingdom is the rule of the king. Not just the presence, but the rule. Psalms 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in earth and his kingdom rules over all. A life in the presence, uh, the mark of a kingdom is not only the presence and the rule of the king, but it's also the kingdom of power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Um, a life in the presence and the will and the power of God has been opened to us, and we can enter into it and live into it, and that's what God invites us to do. I love what he tells us, what Jesus tells us in Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is, a, it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't you love that? It's his good pleasure. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. He loves to give good gifts to his children. Since he gave his son, he has been giving gifts to us. And I love that. God is the giver. Our part is to receive and walk in the inheritance 
that we have been given and to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That, that's got to become central in our life, seeking the first of the kingdom of God. Everything else will come into alignment when we seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness and justice are the very foundation of the kingdom of God. It's what he blesses. We know we can walk in favor and blessing, not meaning that everything is gonna be rosy all the time, but meaning we know that God's hand is strong upon us when we walk in righteousness and we seek his kingdom. So part of that is becoming doers of the word and not hearers only. A couple of weeks ago, we delved into becoming kingdom-minded in our prayer life. And we looked at the Lord's prayer and how um, Jesus taught his disciples that this is the pattern to pray. Um, and the Lord prayer begins and ends with worship. We invite heaven into earth. We invite him into every situation of our life. And then again, we just close out with prayer. It's a powerful prayer. We, we close out with worship. It's a life-changing prayer. One of the most... Um, life transforming habits that we can do in our life is learning to pray the word, is opening it up and learning to pray it. I've told you this a lot and I'm gonna teach tonight and the next week I'm gonna teach on being kingdom minded in another area, but I want you to grab this because there are scriptures and passages that if we can get into our spirit and learn to pray them, it will be transforming not only for us, but for our family. Uh, a powerful scripture to memorize, and I had said this a couple of weeks ago, especially with the pressures that we're facing in our society is in 2 Timothy 1 and 7. This is a powerful prayer. God, your word declares that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How many of you fight some mental and spiritual battles? Every one of us. That's where the battle is. So if we can get these scriptures and say, God, you know exactly where I'm at. You see the battle that I'm in. But your word declares. I'm going to pray your word back to you. That you have not given me a spirit of fear. This does not come from you. You haven't given me a spirit of confusion. This is not coming from you. This, this condemnation is not coming from you. But you've given us this, a, a, a spirit of a power and love and of a sound mind and learning to pray that. In Psalms 24, he gives us a prayer to pray for help and guidance. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation and on you I wait all day long. And then they're going to put this scripture up here in Ephesians for me in three. One of the most powerful prayers that you can pray for spiritual growth over yourself and over other people is out of Ephesians 3. I, I think it, I love the one in Ephesians 1 and I love Ephesians 3. And you can go back and read one, I think it's 17 through 19. But I, I just want us to look at this again and then we're gonna move forward. But it's one of the most powerful prayers that you can pray. And tonight, um, I'm gonna use Tyler because Tyler's here and he's on staff and I'm gonna use his name. But on up here, 
we've left a blank and you can put your name in when we're praying this, you can put someone else's name, but I want you to see the context of how powerful it is to get the word in you and to pray it. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen Tyler with power through his spirit in his inner being so that Christ may dwell in Tyler's heart through faith. And I pray that Tyler, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for him. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that Tyler may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you see how powerful that is? When you put your name or you put your child's name or your husband's name or your wife's name and you begin to pray that prayer for spiritual maturity and insight and revelation, it's, it's transforming. There's power in the word. Andy Murray said, if the spiritual life be healthy under the full power of Holy Spirit, praying without ceasing will be natural. I would dare say that many of you in here pray a lot more than you even realize you pray because you've been practicing the presence of God. Now there's times of structured prayer that you pray, but I want you to be a little bit more mindful of when you're driving in the car, you're going to work, you're doing uh, things around your house, um, there's probably times that you're not even aware that you've begun to just speak to the Lord and you're just begin to talk to him about different things. And when we begin to allow the kingdom of God to operate in our life and the Holy Spirit, we recognize his presence there. We're much more prone to speak to the Lord on a more, um, on a more regular basis. Last week, we talked about being kingdom-minded through his word. The Bible holds such powerful keys of instruction that not only produce holiness and righteousness, but it will ground us in kingdom thinking and kingdom living. I want to revisit 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. His, seed, his word is a seed that has power to produce in us righteousness, fruit, generosity, forgiveness, sanctification, revelation, transformation, and release impartation into us. After our study um, last week, I opened an email from Passion Conference that gave some helpful questions to ask. And I want to pass these on to you because I thought this is so powerful to ponder that when you're opening the word and you're reading it to really just not try to see how much you can read and how fast you can read and get through a lot, but to really ponder when you're reading. And here's some questions. Is there sin to avoid? Is there a prayer to repeat? Is there an example to follow? Is there a command to obey? 
Is there a scripture to memorize? Is there something in this passage that I'm reading that any of those questions I could ponder and that possibly apply. We know that according to Romans 10, 17, that our faith is built up through the word of God. We have to have the word of God. I, I heard someone this week give a, a, a pastor, a very trusted pastor. Um, I did not have time to look this up. Didn't think to look it up until late this evening. Um, that he was talking about the Barna Research Group, which is a Christian organization that provides data to churches, and they do a lot of research. And, and he was saying that 14, only 14% of Christians read their Bible every day. His word is necessary as breathing and eating is to us. It's as necessary to our spiritual life for us to grow, for us to walk in faith, for us to grow in the grace of God and know God and, and hear God. And so we need his word in our life. But tonight, I wanna share about becoming kingdom-minded through the power and abiding presence of Holy Spirit. How many of you are learning to become more aware of Holy Spirit in your life? You've felt his nudges on a regular basis, his drawing, his wooing, his teaching, his prodding. Dr. Fuchsia Pickett said, the Holy Spirit is not just an, illu an illumination or inspiration, that comes to our minds so we can see truth. He is a person who himself knows the things of God and reveals them to us. Billy Graham put it this way, the Holy Spirit illuminates the minds of people, makes us yearn for God, and takes spiritual truth and makes it understandable to us. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for the revelation of the word of God and the way that Holy Spirit works in our life. From the moment that you asked Jesus into your heart, the very moment, the spirit of God began to dwell in you, giving life to your mortal body. The problem often is, is that the enemy is so loud and Holy Spirit is such a gentleman that when he's trying to work in here, we're often distracted by all this out here. But from the moment you became a Christian, he began to work in you. And he's working in you tonight. And he's drawing you. 1 Corinthians 3 and 9 says that we are co-workers in God's service. We're God's field. We're his building. We're his address. He lives within us. Jesus told us in John, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide. Say that word with me, abide with you forever. He doesn't come and visit you when you're at church or when you do everything right or when you're feeling good or you're feeling spiritual or you have it all together. He came to abide with you, to teach you the things of God. 
to show you the revelation of the word of God. And Jesus said, the world doesn't know him. The world can't recognize him, but you know him. And not only is he gonna be with you, he's going to be in you. Isn't that powerful? He's giving life to your mortal body. I love the way that C.S. Lewis gives this perspective. The Holy Spirit is the source and sustainer of our spiritual life. He dwells within us. If you look at John 3, 3 through 7, when you and I were born again, he came to dwell within us to transform us into the likeness of Christ. He dwells there. He lives there. He's there to help us Every day, John 3, 34 tells us that God gives the spirit without limit. I love how Pastor Vlad Savchek explains the Holy Spirit. He said, we get the Holy Spirit by salvation. Holy Spirit gets us by surrender. We don't live a holy life because we have the Holy Spirit. Because you have the Holy Spirit, you have the potential to live a holy life. How many of you know not everybody lives holy? that has the Holy Spirit. Not everybody walks in righteousness, but it's yielding to the Holy Spirit that brings holiness. It's yielding to Holy Spirit that brings victory. We walk in the power of Holy Spirit by staying, obeying, and praying. The Holy Spirit lives within us. Jesus promised. He said, when I go away, I'm gonna send the promise of my Father. I'm gonna send the helper to you. And you're going to be, uh, receive power. You're going to be endued with power from on high. You're going to be able to be physical representations in the earth after I'm gone. You're going to be witnesses of me at home and abroad, on your job, in your school, everywhere you go, because I'm going to live within you. I'm going to pour my spirit out upon you. Jesus tells us over in John, this is my, absolutely one of my favorite scriptures in John 738, when Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And I want to tell you why it's my, one of my favorites. It's because he does what I can't. It's because he loves me in spite of me. He helps me in spite of my weaknesses. He loves us so much that he said, I'm going to give you power an anointing to operate in this life, kingdom power, that when I'm gone, you're gonna become the gateway for my glory where the kingdom of God rules in the earth through you. You're gonna be the conduit for my power and you're gonna be the riverbed for my river. That's what he was saying. Not a trickle, but rivers of living water. We tend to just allow him to move in our lives at church, or when sometimes when we really need him, or when we're feeling spiritual, and he wants to operate in us 24-7. He said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Life-giving, life-sustaining, heaven, kingdom, power, flowing in you 24-7. Whether you feel it or not, you can be going through a silent season and Jesus is saying, because you're the riverbed, the rivers are gonna keep flowing. You can be going through a dark time and his rivers can still be flowing. 
and they are, as long as we recognize it. He said, you're gonna bear fruit no matter what you're going through. That's what kingdom is. That's what the Holy Spirit longs to do in his church is to operate through us and in us. It, it, I love what Reinhard Bonnke said. The Holy Spirit's motivation is always the same thing, to charge the world with heaven's own electric power. There's no way for us to stay the same once we've been exposed to the Spirit. And one or two things are gonna happen. We're either gonna start moving more toward God through obedience, or we're gonna know truth enough that we can't operate comfortably in sin and in rebellion, so we're either gonna submit or we're gonna get harder. Our natural behavior cannot remain the same once we've been exposed to the Spirit. There's something that begins to happen inside of us. He is the manifest presence of God, the third person of the Trinity. He's the one that hovered over the face of the deep when God spoke the world into existence. Do you know he's hovering over this place tonight? Not only does he dwell within us, but he hovers over the atmosphere. Max Lucado said, I call him our heaven-sent helper. He is the ally of the saint. He is our champion, our advocate, our guide. He comforts and directs. He indwells, transforms, sustains, and will someday deliver us into our heavenly home. He is the executor of God's will on earth, here to infuse us with strength, supernatural strength. The spirit turns common folk into uncommon forces. What we cannot do, he can Stop and think about something you struggle to do. What uphill climb is taking your breath? Forgiving an enemy, solving a problem, breaking a habit. You can't do it. The Spirit can. The wind of heaven lives inside of you. He's the revealer of truth. He teaches us the deep things of God. Even now, you're, at a, you're positioned at a place in your life where there are things that God wants to reveal to you, things that your eye hasn't seen before, your ear hasn't heard, or hasn't been able to articulate it. It's probably something like a scripture that I heard for many years. You, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And one day it just jumped off the page, Mark. And I've never been the same. That scripture is just so different in my life. It hasn't entered into our heart but he's the revealer of truth. So when you're at a season in your life and God wants to reveal himself to you in a, in a different way or a different matter, we're all at different places of grace. We're all at different walks in our life, but we're pursuing God. And he opens the heavens and the things we've not been able to understand before. It says the spirit of God begins to teach us the deep things of God, the natural man can't even receive it because it's foolishness to him. But because you're open to the things of God, he begins to reveal things to you. He's the revealer of truth. One thing I can assure you of is this. If you don't wanna know something, really don't wanna know and be responsible for what you know, then don't ask Holy Spirit. Because we 
tend to dance around in a lot of gray areas when if we would allow Holy Spirit to reveal, they would be black and white. He's the revealer of truth. He reveals things to increase our understanding of who he is and he draws us to himself. And that revelation leads to a deeper experience and encounter with God. And then as we begin to steward that encounter and steward what we know, then it positions us to know him even deeper and even greater. Every one of us that are sitting in this room tonight, every single one of us bar none, God wants to reveal himself to you in a facet, in a way that you've not been able to see him before. It's not that it's something new and whatever. It's that it's new to you. It's a facet of his glory that you've not been able to see before, but he wants to show it to you. He wants to reveal himself. And when that happens, your worship can't stay the same. It can't stay the same. There's something that happens when God begins to reveal himself to you. He's the revealer of truth. He helps us pray kingdom prayers. When we don't know how to pray, Romans 8 says that he will pray through us with groanings that cannot be uttered because he knows the mind of, my, the, mind of the Father. In Jude, he instructs us to pray in the Spirit to build our most holy faith. I, I just want to encourage you tonight to, to exercise your prayer language. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He wants to flow out of you even with your prayer language. With groanings that cannot be uttered. And sometimes people think I'm, I'm not spiritual enough for that. I have to get this in order and I have to get that in order. He helps us how? With our weaknesses. Anybody deal with weaknesses? I do. I have. The most freeing thing that happened in my life was an older lady speaking to me. Already been in the ministry for a while, but I wrestled with this because I thought I needed to feel spiritual to pray in the spirit. I did. And if I didn't feel a certain way, then I thought I can't pray in the spirit. And she began to break this scripture down to me. Cindy, what does this say? He helps us with our weaknesses. When we don't know how to pray, he prays through us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I think this is an area that the enemy intimidates people in more than any other. He will say to you, that is you. You only have two syllables. That's you. That's not God. You're not even feeling spiritual. You got mad at somebody this week. You said something you shouldn't have said. Who do you think you are? And he'll get in your face and try to intimidate you. And that's where you have to go back and pray the word and say, but your word says that you've given me the Holy Spirit to pray through me when I don't know how to pray. You've given me Holy Spirit to help me with my weaknesses because you know the mind of the Father. And then you begin to allow Holy Spirit to pray through you. 
Paul said, I'm going to pray with the Spirit and I'm going to pray with my understanding. I'm going to sing in the Spirit and I'm going to sing with my understanding. We build our most holy faith. Praying in tongues is not what makes us spiritual. It builds our faith. The fruit of the Spirit is what helps us to grow into spiritual maturity, but the gifts have been given to empower us, to help us to grow in the fruit. So I wanna encourage you, don't let the, intimi- the, the enemy intimidate you in praying and using your prayer language and letting Holy Spirit help you pray. There are some things that we need his help with. Sometimes it's unforgiveness, sometimes it's bitterness, sometimes it's an addiction, sometimes it's a secret sin. There, there's all kinds of things. Sometimes it's just um, uh, intimidation. There's all kinds of things that we wrestle with and we want to wrestle with them and get spiritual and then think he's going to help us. He's going to help us so we can get fruitful. It's the kingdom of God at work in you. The spirit of God helping you. He is the manifest presence of God in the earth. The one that releases the kingdom of God in the atmosphere. He's pursuing us. He's loving us. He's revealing eternity in God to us. And he loves us. The more sensitive we become to Holy Spirit. And the more we host his presence the more the kingdom of God will increase in our life. And Holy Spirit can be grieved and he can be quenched. Sometimes we do that without even realizing it. Sometimes we allow apathy or distractions or tiredness or intimidation to quench the spirit of God. He's wanting to move in our lives and he's wanting to do something and we're bound up and bound down and, 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 and we don't worship or we don't do things and, and we can quench him. Other ways that we can grieve him is with unwholesome talk and jesting. We can grieve him with that. We can grieve him when we entertain our minds with carnal, lewd things and social media and music and, 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 and things that we entertain ourselves with and, and we close out his moving in our life. We can grieve him when we carry bitterness and offense. And I've said this many times and I'm going to say it again. I am telling you the biggest thing in the church right now is offense. I'm not saying lock Lynn. I'm saying the church is whole. The church, the, the enemy is out to offend, to get us to back down. We grieve him when we willfully sin. We grieve him when we sit in a service and we don't acknowledge his presence and the greatness of God and we withhold our praise and our worship. And I know I preach to the choir a lot on that, but it is so true. Holy Spirit is moving even tonight. He's drawing on this Wednesday night. He's speaking on this Wednesday night. He wants to reveal himself on this Wednesday night. He wants you to grow in his grace and in his mercy. He wants you to know 
how much he loves you, how much he's for you. He wants you to encounter him and grow in his word and grow in his love and grow in his grace. Holy Spirit longs to move in his people and release revival. I love what Cornell West said. If the kingdom of God is in you, you should leave a little bit of heaven wherever you go. I want to close out with this. Matthew 11 and 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Serving the Lord takes commitment and it takes courage and it takes fortitude. The enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't care who. He doesn't care how long it takes. He doesn't care what tactics he uses. But the thing that we have to remember is the kingdom of darkness has already been defeated by the kingdom of light. And Jesus made an open show of him on the cross. And God is moving powerfully. And we take it by force. We take the kingdom of God and we advance it. Every time we obey, we forgive, we serve, we worship, we press against that that's pressing against us, that's advancing the kingdom of God. It's not by what I see, it's not by what I feel, it's by who I know, by who I follow.